0: be who you are and say how you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Just stay true to who you are and, and embrace it and be proud of it and never stop growing.
1: Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 537. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. I am so happy to have you here to join us today, and I am thrilled to introduce our guest, Alison Donaghy. That sounded like I put a K in it, but I meant to get the G right, Donaghy. There I go. (laughs) You said everybody gets it wrong, and there I did. Where'd I get a K for a G from? Oh my gosh. Anyway, listeners, we just had a blast in our pre-chat. I have to tell you, Alison and I were both icons of influence at this past year, or at this past September of 2018, New Media Summit. And Alison, and we didn't really have a time or a chance to get to know each other there, but we've had fun exchanging emails ever since. And I can't wait to see where this episode goes today. Oh, thanks. Yeah, me too. I know that was one of the things I'm on the plane. And I'm like, damn it, I didn't get to talk to her more. (laughs) So this is perfect. I think the most we got to talk to each other was in the cab on the way to the airport. It totally was at the very end of the event.
0: And it's stupid o'clock in the morning. Stupid o'clock. Yeah, that's how I would describe it too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, anytime an alarm has to be used, it's stupid o'clock.
1: I don't think I even went to sleep that night because I was afraid Well, I don't think I would have been so scared if it was just me taking the Lyft or Uber. But knowing Mm -hmm. that there was going to be you and Jim waiting for Uh me, I was like, "Okay, do I even (laughs) risk going to sleep? And listeners, you've heard me say it before, but I woke myself up snoring on the plane again because (laughs) I was just so tired. My husband tells me that when I'm really tired, I, I snore. Mm. And I did it, which is so embarrassing. Like my head goes up and I look around trying to figure out who I can blame it on. But I totally know it's me. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I know.
0: It's like, or if you're at the spa, you're getting a massage or something and you fall asleep. And yeah,
1: I will always do that little. (sighs) And you're like, oh, that was me. Yeah. Damn it. And they know it was me. (laughs) Okay. This is not where I expected the episode to go, but I wouldn't be so worried about snoring actually at the spa i would mm. be afraid that i would fart okay i know this is so not positive oh. productivity but you know in that relaxed state there my husband i have only farted in front of him twice okay we will get to the point of this episode and what allison does in just a second but he has only heard me fart twice ever and one wow. time one time was childbirth you have kids you know that that doesn't count mm-hmm.
0: And that doesn't count at all. And the Cause there's so many other things going on. The farting's the least amount of worries. Oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the second time I was sound asleep on the couch and he came and he put his head down on my belly. And I must have just been so far asleep that when he put his head on my belly, it just went like a whoopee cushion. <laughs> and, I was, and he woke me up laughing. He's like... Because that was before, before the childbirth thing, the, oh. the fart-induced childbirth. He's like, I just heard you fart. He was so proud of himself.
0: <laughs> Isn't it crazy how we can
1: take some
0: things that are just like completely biological and have no issues with it and other things that we have such big issues with? Right, like, why should it matter? Like, it's a normal function of the body. It's not like we're necessarily doing it on purpose, or we've planned for it, or we're trying to gross anybody out. Like, it's how our bodies work. So why can't we just be like, yeah, my body's working right?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like I am thirty-nine going on three. The stuff (laughs) I find humor humor in, especially in my house. I mean, three-year-old twins who find humor in any bodily sound. I mean, trying to force themselves to burp and fart all day long. It's like, well, you just stop that. (laughs) This is how you do it, right? (laughs) Yep, Daddy put his head on your belly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. No, I will never teach them that.
0: They've just discovered (laughs)
1: belly buttons, though. I mean, they haven't just discovered belly buttons, but they've discovered how irritated people get when they go trying to dig in other people's belly buttons. So it's like we can't... (laughs) It's almost like we have to wear bodysuits to keep them from trying to raise our shirts even in public. No, I'm oh, not I don't breastfeed my kids, but they're trying to raise my shirt to find my belly button just <laughs> just to push my buttons like no pun intended there, but literally.
0: Yeah, we do things different in this household. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Well, <laughs> listeners, I know it took us some time to get to it, but I want you to know that Allison is the owner of Domino Thinking and Sunshine Girls Painting and has had an amazing journey to get to where you are, she is. I don't know the proper way to put that. <laughs> Grammar police do not come after me today. You'll be able to find me up the wazoo. <laughs> but, Allison, you were a single mom on welfare and your drug addict boyfriend died and you didn't know how you were going to go back to retail. So you started a house painting company. I, I mean, I, I sound I'm telling this to you like you don't know your story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two podcasters talking to each other. This is what we get. Okay,
0: and that's what we get. Right, this yeah. half narrative, half directed conversation. Yes, uh, yeah. Well, I was a single mom. My son's father left when he was a year old, and uh, we and we'd been struggling along, trying to figure out how to make it work. And I knew I wasn't making it on retail and minimum wage. I couldn't. I just couldn't make ends meet. So I went back to school. And I started in criminology. And then I met a guy, and he had his life sorted out. He had a company and he'd been, he had struggles with drug addiction in the past. He'd been clean for uh, three, four years when I met him. And then the weekend I was moving in, he relapsed. And it was another five years of, five, six years of challenging drug addiction. And I thought I was pretty savvy, but nothing prepared me for that experience of that level of drug abuse.
1: There's irony there, like not a funny irony, but you were in school for criminology. (laughs) Right. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. And I'd worked at a federal halfway house. and, And so I, you know, I was around that world of addiction because often criminals have were committing crimes because they were addicts or they were drug crimes or they got addicted once they got into prison. And so drug addiction was a big part of it. But until you're actually living it, there's no way of understanding it. And I in my whole criminology background had no way prepared me <laughs> to deal with anything.
1: Mm. I was about to ask you about that. Did you mm. meet him while you were in criminology? I'm just I'm being nosy and curious um, all at the same time.
0: Like, I know you I, started probably, school, but I was he in the field much. as well? No, he was a house painter. He taught me how to paint. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so then when he, because he, I was working three jobs, going to school full time and still trying to see my kid on occasion. And he said to me, you know, I could teach you how to paint. You'll make more money and you'll get to see your kid more. And I was like, OK, I don't care what I have to do, but you sign me up and so I started painting with him and got to see my kid more and then I got that horrible drug addict life that came from it so you know everything's a double-edged sword right on the one hand I was given this fantastic gift of the trades and learning how to paint that I was able to start my own company but on the other hand I got this
1: horrible unstable
0: life of a drug addict wow did
1: you start doing and using drugs too no. No good no. feeling. I have to I have to say though, it, it was
0: tempting when things mm-hmm. were really, really bad and he'd pawned everything that we owned and I couldn't figure out how I was gonna get food on the table. I uh you know, sometimes I would think about it and I think, if it's that good that he's willing to give up everything for like maybe it is worth trying, like anything that good's worth trying, right? But those thoughts never lasted terribly long just because I think I'm just not built that way. Right. And I think it's best to just not get started with those things. But it was, it was tough. There was nowhere for me to go. I felt like I had no choices. I couldn't go to a women's shelter because I wasn't being abused. I tried connecting with welfare to see if I could leave and get support that way. They said no, because they didn't deem my situation that difficult. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so um, my parents didn't really understand, I think, the extent to how bad it was. And so their whole philosophy was, well, you made your bed, you lie in it. And so I was really isolated, really alone. I didn't know how to to move on from that. And then and then he passed away, which I think was really a blessing for both of us. I think he was a really good man. And he had a really kind soul. And he had been dealt a really crappy hand in life. And I don't think his soul was ever able to absorb the pain of his childhood, which is what led to the drug addiction. And so I think him dying was probably a kindness for his soul. I never thought about it that way before. Hmm. Yes. Well, you know, how often would you have an opportunity to think of it that way? No, though, really. Definitely
1: not. No. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So he dies. Do you remember what the thought was that went through your head of, oh, wow, I should start my own business? I mean, because I've had those thoughts go through too. I mean, look, at, <laughs> we're both living the, the fempreneur life today with multiple <laughs> businesses and podcasts and trying to balance motherhood somewhere in there, even though I think yours might be a little bit older. Yeah.
0: Yeah, my son's 29. And he's actually running one of my crews. He runs my crews for the painting company, and he will eventually take it over. Uh, So yeah, we're I'm very fortunate. We were very close. I think this the idea just of starting my own business just brewed. It was one of those he died in October. And I had been doing his contracts. I've been painting for him for a while. I knew nothing about business. But when you're young, you don't know the stuff you don't know. You don't even know to question what you don't know. You just dive in. And so I had youth on my side and uh, that ignorant mentality and not in a bad way, but that ignorance is bliss kind of way.
1: What's the excuse for me for using that same excuse (laughs) now? Because I'm not... I'm not 20-something. I'm 39. Uh, and I still use that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because
0: that is what allows us to take those leaps of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And build the parachute on the way down. It's that the otherwise we sort of get that paralysis by analysis. And we don't we think, Oh, God, well, if I do that, then what about this? And then what if I don't have any work? And, and then I, I can't find any staff? And what if clients don't like me? And what if I lose money on a job? And, 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 and then you just go, Oh, shit, I should just go work in retail.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it's
0: so easy to spiral
1: down when we actually think too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but I actually left my first husband when I was unemployed. And I got a job at Chipotle. Mm, I didn't know that. Where I was promptly kicked off the line because my burritos wouldn't stay together. (laughs) So They gave me cashier. So I got to go around and talk to people, which was awesome. I mean, very interesting experiences. I was hit on. I was prayed for when I was doing table touches. You know, people would just pull me away from the table, move the table aside and just get on their knees and pray for me. Yeah. It was beautiful, but sort of strange at the same time because I, I wasn't expecting a prayer right then. Mm-hmm. But that's the best way I can say it. But I was a single mom with two little boys and I applied for welfare. I think they gave me cash assistance and I uh-huh. got health assistance, but they actually told me that the $9 an hour I was making uh, made my income too high for food stamps. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, I'm busting butt here. So thankfully, I mean- Working at Chipotle, I don't know if it's still the same now. That was almost a decade ago, but I got a free meal every shift. So mm-hmm. I took as many shifts as I could. <laughs> if they needed me twice in a day, I worked two shifts in a day so I could have two big meals. I lost weight working that job, though. Can you believe wow. that? <laughs> because you
0: weren't eating anything else anywhere.
1: No, but I mean, Chipotle, that's a lot of food and I could make my bowl as big as I wanted it, <laughs> but I lost 50 pounds in four months working there.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: But okay, uh-huh. so you started your business. Yeah. And then where did it go? Well,
0: every year it just kept getting better. And I just figured I was a rock star. I was a natural born business person until the economy crashed. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it was the economy. It wasn't me, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was a super humbling experience. But it really gave me an opportunity to delve into business and try to understand it better. And I'm so grateful that it happened, because I have so much more connection and awareness with my business than I did before.
1: I can see that totally. Mm. How did you make sure that your business was not taking over all your time, though? I mean, I'm not knowing how my business huh. is taken over all my time. I mean, there's only so <laughs> many houses that you can paint at one time. So how, I guess my bigger question would be, how long did it take you to start growing your team and? really start working out your own support and systems within the business
0: uh oh it took a while a lot of trial and error i didn't hire my first assistant until i was 10 years in and then she stayed with me for five years she was amazing and then i just hired staff as i needed them so by the time stacy came on as my assistant i had about 18 staff in the summer oh my gosh hmm and so but it grows and then it peters off in the winter and then it grows again in the summer and so there's this constant transition it's a very fluid it because I'm in Canada and then with our winters we don't paint outside obviously and then so our summers are crazy busy trying to protect all these houses and then our winters are much quieter but it yeah it took it was it took time and the growing pains that go along with it, like when I stepped back off the tools, it was that, that relinquishing control and giving up the part of the job that I actually loved doing the actual transformation to just deal with customers, which I liked, but that wasn't why I was a painter. And so it was trying to find ways of liking the new parts of my jobs that I had to do
1: which brings you in the domino thinking, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I started domino thinking a couple of years ago and it's to challenge people to think about what they think about. And I think we are very polarized and don't do very well in having conversations with people who disagree with us. And I think if we don't learn how to have these conversations, we will find ourselves in more and more trouble as the world becomes more and more divided.
1: Oh my gosh, my husband and I don't fight very often at all <laughs> but when we do uh-huh. they're doozies and l- <laughs> last week we actually had a fight about how we fight <laughs> so i totally get what you're saying like we, it's hard to have conversations with people who don't agree with us i mean my husband and i agree about just about everything mm-hmm.
0: yeah but well i think the reason that we had these conversations we find it difficult is because our worth is tied up in converting the person in front of us to our way so if I think a and you think b and I can convince you to come over to the a team now I feel worthy because you agree with me so obviously I must be right and if you stay on the b team I feel unworthy because I wasn't able to convert you And so then I start feeling uncomfortable and I just need to now try harder because if I can get you on my side, now I have worth. And if we get to a place where we understand that our worth is internal and whatever anybody out there is doing is irrelevant to our worth, we get to have different conversations with people.
1: That is so fascinating because I'm thinking of dominoes, like if we had a whole room of dominoes on the floor. I would love to know how this plays in. So, is let's just imagine that we hit over one domino, mm-hmm. and the rest start flowing. Does that? Are you saying that that change needs to start with a nos? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, that recognition that everything we do has some sort of consequence. Right, So you, yeah. you turn on the kitchen sink and you go and answer the door and you forget about the sink and it overflows. That's a consequence, right, of a choice that you made. And you may not be aware of that choice when you ran it off, that you weren't coming back, but we're still responsible for whatever happens based on the decisions and choices that we make. And we lose sight of that. So then I come back to the kitchen and there's a flooding sink, and I want to blame the plumber because there should have been a better overflow valve, or I blame the guy at the door because he talked to me for so long. When I can say, huh, this was all me, <laughs> I should not have left that tap running. Now you're able to approach the whole situation differently.
1: Oh, I'm in love with this topic. I mean, <laughs> Even just, you know, oversleeping in the morning. Now Uh, I I don't set an alarm anymore because I realized I was pushing snooze anyway. mm -hmm. But let's just say I oversleep. I finally moved out of the point where I'm mad because I just slept so long to, Oh, I must've been really tired. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that I got that sleep because I'll get the rest of this day, especially with all my children a little bit more (laughs) sanely because at least I'm rested.
0: But there Mm -hmm. are people
1: who just will, course A or course B and B is bad mood like those if they oversleep in the morning their whole day is messed up.
0: Yeah. Well, and I believe that that has to do with how they're seeing their worth. Like when you're able to say, "Well, I was tired, you honored your worth. You honored your ability to be a mother if you had enough sleep or not enough sleep, whatever the case may be, you honored your relationship to yourself." And who you wanted to be in the world. When we berate ourselves because we didn't get up at a certain time, because after all, shouldn't we all belong to the 5 a.m. club? Now we're starting to make decisions in our life based on how we think other people are judging us. So we're giving our worth away to them, even though they may not even actually exist, other than a figment of our imagination. Thank you so
1: much for bringing that up. Last year, the year (laughs) before, I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing thought, but I'm not about to start waking up at 4.30 to have my miracle morning. As far as I'm concerned, (laughs) my miracle morning can start at eight o'clock or at 7.30 or whenever the heck I wake up, but it's, it's about positioning from within and what I choose to do with my time and position my mind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's like having the life, like, I don't want that life where I have to go to bed at nine o'clock at night so that I can be up at four o'clock in the morning.
1: Right. Like oh, I wanna be like I'm
0: a, I want to have the life that I want and that means I have a fluid life. That means I get up when I get up and I go to sleep when I go to sleep. So that I can have the in betweens the way I want them. Now if somebody wants those in betweens as being up at four thirty in the morning, have that or go hard.
1: Oh yeah. yeah Kudos to, to you that me. do that that get up at at four thirty. I just yeah. I get my second wind around ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. After my kids stop there, like, and my husband does most of it. But after they stop there, I have to go pee cycle that comes with them going to bed. Mm-hmm. They don't really have to go. They'll just say mm-hmm. that they have to go five times. But you know that one time that we don't let them out mm-hmm. is the time that they wet their pants. So we have yeah. to let them out every single time. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So after mm-hmm. that finally dies down, then I get the second, the second wind and I just charge ahead. So listeners, mm-hmm. you hear me say all the time, we need to get our sleep. Yes, we do need to get our sleep. But there's no saying that if our second wing comes at 10 and we're up till one and we have the ability to sleep until eight or nine, you can still get your sleep in. Allison, I want to come back and talk about this in just a second, but I want to take a quick break. Are you thinking about launching a podcast soon or do you already have a podcast? This is Kim Sa and I wanted to take a quick second to let you know about the podcast production services that my team within Positive Productivity is now offering. From editing through marketing and everything in between, we offer complete packages starting at only $450 a month. All you have to do is record. To learn more about our podcast production services, head on over to positiveproductivity.net and we can get you started as soon as today. We're back and we were just talking about you know framing our minds and, and all that good stuff and there was a whole lot more, but I am actually curious. What time do you go to bed and what time do you get up? <laughs>
0: um, I go to bed when I'm tired and I get up when I'm done sleeping. Oh, I could give you a big hug for that. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say early because you had said earlier kudos to the people who get up at 4:30, but I want to say like equal kudos to you that knows you need the sleep. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was right? Like that took so years to get to. Yeah, but so often we will hold this image of what deserves our praise. And gosh, you must be dedicated if you're getting up at 430 in the morning, like good for you, as if there's no other option for people like that's that thing that we should all strive for. But it doesn't jive for everybody. Like some people are night owls. I'm really possessive of my time. And so I want to spend it doing what I want to be doing. And I get that people at 430 in the morning are doing the things they want to do. I just don't want to be doing it at that time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I actually, I started to discover that there were songs that I once loved, but once I was using them on my phone to wake me up, that I started to hate them. No, that's terrible. So maybe I should have been using songs that I just really couldn't stand. Okay. I don't want to be offending any country music lovers here. Okay, But I remember working for the last job before I became a full-time entrepreneur I don't know how my husband actually, like, I don't need his permission, but I had a country station on the alarm clock. And I remember waking up one morning to American Harvester or International Harvester on the country station. I was like, there is no way that I can ever wake up to this song again. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that was the last day. I think that in that, that was eight years ago. That was the last time we have listened to Country in the House.
0: Oh, my. Uh, yeah. Well. I can't say the same. My son is a country fanatic, so much so that I actually go to a country music festival with him every year. And uh, it is a lot of fun. I do get a little countryed out, to be sure. But I make him do so many ridiculous things all year. That's the least I can do is go to a country music festival with him. But I don't want to wake up to it.
1: Right. Hey, there's a country music festival not far from where I live. Every summer, it's like a whole four-day festival with a lot of big people. I'll have to let you know the next time I hear that it's coming into town, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. I'm not in Austin or San Diego or you know wherever new media summit happens. But that's what's mm-hmm. fun. Like, <laughs> you know, how big is where you live right now?
0: Uh, well, I'm on Vancouver Island. I live in Nanaimo, so it's about eighty thousand people. Oh, okay, and so I think the island itself is maybe around a million. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, but it takes like four, five hours to drive tip to tip. So it's a big island.
1: It's bigger than Great Britain, I believe. I am so geographically unsavvy. I had no idea it was that large. Yeah. But then again, I, I haven't had a passport since I was, I don't know, 20 maybe I think it expired. So <sighs> I can't even get into Canada anymore. I need to get a new uh-huh. passport so I can get back into Canada.
0: There you go. And then come for a visit.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's beautiful here.
1: So how did your podcast come to be? Oh, well, I've had a couple. My first
0: one was called Natural Born Speakers. I spoke at an event and a friend of mine was in the audience and she came up afterwards and she was like, oh, my God, you need to speak for a living. This was so amazing. And she said, why don't you start a radio show? Because she had a radio station and talk to people about the whole speaking industry. And I thought, oh, that would be a great way to learn. And so I did that for about a year. And then I thought, you know, I'm tired of having these conversations and plugging other people's businesses. I don't feel like I'm really serving an audience well and doing what I really want to do, which is have philosophical conversations. And so I switched my show to Think Opposite, which is actually the same name as my book, which sometimes gets confusing in my head. And um, so I wanted to have conversations with people who had different perspectives And I've met the most amazing people on this show and had great conversations that have totally changed my life. And I know the lives of some of my listeners. So it's been
1: such a gift. So I'm curious about how you bring people into your show. Mm. Because if you're looking for people who think different, Mm -hmm. how do you qualify them as thinking differently? I think a lot of people will
0: have sort of their soap boxes they like to get up on. And those are the people that I look for and I bring in not so that they can be combative, but to, because they, they usually have a unique perspective. Like I had a woman come on my show who talked about pit bulls and breaking down some of the myths that the media puts out there. Like in Canada, in Ontario, it's illegal to own a pit bull or anything that might be a pit bull. And they will put the dogs down if they suspect, but there's no way of actually... It is so sad. And there's no way of actually testing to prove pit bull or not in most cases. And so they're putting down dogs just based on the size of their head or a smile or... Because pitties have that smile. And so it was really fascinating listening to her and this was right around the time I think that maybe it was just before when that movement was happening where people were finding pit bulls on Craigslist and at shelters and through other means and then killing them just to get rid of the pit bull population and it was just it's so misunderstood. That so sounds like that.
1: segregation, you know, ongoing segregation of yeah. different races for humans, but now of dogs.
0: Oh, we all need something to hate, right? Like we oh. all have to find that part of something that's just not good enough for us and then get a collective behind hating it, right? And I've been around a lot of pit bulls and they have been fascinating. I went down to Pities and Parolees down in New Orleans. They had the TV show and then they had the pit bull shelter and they take in bait dogs and fighting dogs and rehabilitate them. And it's been, it was fascinating going there. It was unreal. But then- Yeah, we just like to like certain things better than others. It's like going back to the farting, right? Why is it that we hate that bodily function and other ones we're okay with?
1: That is an interesting thought. Right. But I think an even bigger interesting thought is you said we all need something to hate. So I was sitting here thinking, do I hate anything? And you got my mind turning because I like to think that I'm a mm non-hater, you know? What do you hate?
0: Uh, Political correctness (laughs) drives me crazy. (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: I think it shuts down conversation. I think, you know, if we're skirting around issues, we spend all of our energy skirting around the issue and no time actually talking about the issue. And if we're not talking about the issue in a way that leads us to solution, then we're not solving any problems. And I think it can be really damaging. And I think most political correctness is uh, spurred by something else. There's always a different agenda. And hate is a strong word. I don't know if I hate it. I just, I clench a little when I am around it.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I think the biggest thing that I can say is narcissists.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And then for me, it's almost the word narcissist, because uh, on the one hand, we're told to take care of ourselves and do what's right for us. And there's nothing wrong with being a little bit selfish if we want the life that we want. But then we are always sort of treading that line. Am I being a narcissist right now? And I think it's, uh, oh, yeah, when are we supposed to put ourselves first? And when are we supposed to not be a narcissist? I don't know.
1: Oh, my gosh. That could be a whole episode of Think Different. Because, <laughs> it could be. Because yeah. I never even thought about it that way before. I mean, the mm-hmm. pillars of my business are system support and self care. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost encouraging narcissism, but I never <laughs> thought about it that way before. Think different. Well, I think everything is
0: a double edged sword right so whether we're talking about like the me too movement or we're talking about uh, pit bulls, or we're talking about narcissism I don't think any of it matters there's a double-edged sword to all of it and it's really easy to fall on the wrong side of that sword if we're not paying attention
1: wow wow so who are you looking that impact and support or mm, I guess that would cover what I'm trying to ask with domino thinking
0: Well, I would like to meet the masses with this because I think we're all so very busy. And when we can take time to slow down and actually contemplate, when we can take time to understand that we have driven the bus to anywhere we find ourselves in our life, with the exception of a few minor I shouldn't say minor with the exception of a few situations that we have no control over like a five-year-old has no control over the fact that they're being assaulted but once we sort of get to the place where we can start making choices and decisions for our own life we drive the bus to wherever we are and it the more people I can have this conversation with I think the more people that can, will be able to start understanding and get connected to their self-worth
1: oh I absolutely love that <laughs> Thanks. I, and I think one, so go ahead. I was going to say, I was I was coaching somebody about a year ago who needed to get their business going. They had an ultimatum from their significant other to get it going in this much time, which I think is, <laughs> I don't mean to start any controversy here, but I don't care if I do. I, <sighs> I think as far as the support person goes, that's a lame, mm. a lame excuse for a support person when there's a, ultimatums like that, if it's the person's dream. I think it's our responsibility to support them. But then that's that double-edged sword
0: again, right? Right. So on the one hand, is it motivating or is it an ultimatum? True. Right? Sorry, Caroline. But
1: (laughs) but in between coaching calls, they weren't taking any action. Mm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just either do it or don't do it. Do or do not, there is no try. Mm. So if you come to me for coaching, because you have a goal that you want to meet, but you're not going to take any action in between, then it's almost a waste of time to have these calls for both of us. I would love to actually know what your opinion is on that.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't do coaching for that reason. I'll do cause and effect strategy work with people. Mm. But i um, doing online coaching. I, I struggle with it because I think it can become a dependent relationship. I will do one on one when people are super motivated and to help them get them to that place where they need to go. But my sort of contracts with people tend to be quite short, because I want them to move on. I think if somebody's not doing the work, come back when you're willing to do the work.
1: Yeah, you need to get to the issues that are causing you not to do the work. I want to know more about cause and effect strategy consulting. Mm,
0: Yeah, well, I have this knack of seeing where things go before they get there. And so I work with business owners or individuals about getting them to understand the ramifications of their choices. So, yeah, it's great that you're going to make this choice. And on paper, it looks really good. But in reality, how is your staff going to relate to it? How are you relating to it? How is it going to impact your overall and having those kind of conversations? And so, yeah, it it puts me in front of some really interesting people with some really unique uh, situations.
1: That is so fascinating because I'm in the midst of a four month challenge to myself, part of coaching that I'm going through of getting more time back for my family and I. But there are opportunities that keep on coming up for me to go out and speak and reach a larger audience, which will bring people into my programs more. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, that's taking people or that's taking my time away from my family. And every time, well, you, you're a speaker. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you go out there and speak and you, there's a likelihood that you'll find more people who want you to go out and speak.
0: Yeah, well, I think what it ends up happening is it's just this constant fine-tuning of your business, right, and, and picking and choosing what falls by the wayside. And I think it's so easy to allow ourselves or our children or our families to fall by the wayside when, in fact, maybe it's another part of our business that needs to fall away. So if we're speaking over here and we want to do more speaking, but we've got five coaching clients and so we can't take all those speaking opportunities – but one of those clients that we have really isn't a dream client. Let that client go, take the extra speaking gig, and it doesn't interfere with your family time.
1: Do you have a secret camera in my office? <laughs> I just had a conversation Actually, with I my do. husband <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, you probably, oh, I can't even imagine what you see. Scary. <laughs> I will just leave this morning's funness to myself, (laughs) Um, but I do have to share listeners if you haven't already heard the story before. Actually, as a result of an earlier podcast episode, I I have since flipped my desk around, apparently in feng shui. I think I said it properly. I never get it right though. You should not be looking in a corner. Mm. But with the story I'm about to tell you, my desk was facing a corner and I was on a mastermind call on video and my husband had Taking a shower and he comes out into the office. And I see all these eyebrows raise, and I look, and I see behind my. I'm like, oh, I better turn off the camera. <laughs> so I did not flip the the desk around for that purpose, but it is now flipped around. So now cameras face the wall behind me, and they don't accidentally get glimpses of my amazing husband if he decides to come into the office either naked or in a towel. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, great conversation could come from that.
0: Could be a nice icebreaker.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, my first ever interview with a client, I didn't realize I could do Skype audio only. And during the course of that conversation, two of my cats, you know, I you would think I already have this figured out by now. I mean, Allison, I told you before the call, we actually have to get Mama Cat fixed. Uh huh. But in the middle of this client interview, two of our cats went at it right above my shoulder in plain view of. My, <laughs> and I got that client. Yeah. So, See? yeah. People like real. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure, that's hilarious. I would love to know a crazy painting company story. If you have a moment to share one with us.
0: Oh God, oh, I had one client, and they had a sunroom put in, and the roof of it was tongue and groove uh, pine. So uh, it was some sort of tongue and groove wood. It was years ago. I don't remember what it was, but we had to clear coat it. So we put a coat of clear coat on it and we had to come return the next day to put a second one on. And uh, the, the husband was there. We'd been dealing with the wife pretty much consistently up until this point. And we walk into the sunroom, start setting up and he storms in and he goes, you're doing it wrong. And I said, what? And he goes, the clear coat on the ceiling, you're doing it wrong. And I said, okay, well, how would you like us to do it? And he goes, well, you're the professional, you should know. And I said, okay, so let's suspend that for a second. How about you tell me what you think I'm doing wrong? And he goes, well, I read the can, and if you'd read the can, you would have known how to do it right. It says you're supposed to pour the product on the surface, let it sit for 30 minutes, and then wipe it off. You're supposed to pour it onto the ceiling. Exactly. Right. And so I'm I'm looking at him and I'm trying not to just like slap him. And so I point up and I've said, but we're painting your ceiling. And he goes, uh-huh. And I said, so how do you expect us to pour it on your ceiling? And he said, while you're the professional, you're supposed to figure it out. But if you're not applying it right, then you're doing it wrong. And this went on for a while. Yeah. And then I said to my, the girl, woman that was working with me and I said, just pack up our shit. We're going to go. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you are not being reasonable. You're yelling at me like, this isn't okay. So I'm out. And he goes, you can't leave. And I said, actually, yeah, I can. I said, in fact, you can't make me stay. (laughs) So I'm going to leave. And he said, well, I'm not going to pay you. And I said, I'm not asking you to pay me. I'm just going to be happy that we get to leave. And he said, but my wife really loves you. And I said, well, good luck explaining that. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. And so, you know, he was just bewildered. He never, I don't know if he ever did figure out that I can't pour paint up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, though, people are amazing. They really are. And even that, it was just, there was this crack in his brain that wouldn't let him reconcile the two different things, right? I'm
1: totally perplexed, yeah, Yeah, obviously, because I can't even say perplexed, right? But I mean, what different dimension of life must he be living in to think that all of a sudden you can stand on the ceiling and pour paint onto the ceiling? I mean, we're not in Alice in Wonderland, actually. I don't think she even goes upside down. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. It's... um, but. You know, in my head, the story that I make up around it is that he must have had a lot on his mind, like busy work, stressful personal life or something, because I think the more stressed out we get, the more unable we are to make simple connections like that.
1: Oh, I hear that. Do you know how many days it usually takes me to figure out that I just need to change the batteries in my wireless mouse to make it work functionally again? (laughs) But at the time that I just that the battery's dying, I'm usually right in the middle of crazy, insane deadlines that I shouldn't have so many stacked up at one time. And I just don't even think about the fact that, you know, there's a whole package of batteries right here for that exact purpose. <laughs> it's probably going to happen later that, this week again. Mm,
0: yeah, we because, you know, I think we can only handle so much information at one time, and then something happens, and it just tips It's a tipping point.
1: You know, that's a really fascinating thought, because I did hear something recently about, I think our brains, and I'll have to look this up. Listeners, I know I don't have the right number, but our brain can store like two gigabytes of information. Mm. It might be more than that. I would love to know how they calculate how many gigabytes of information our brains can store. Well, and who are they testing? Right?
0: Right. Like, are they testing James Woods, who has like an extremely high IQ and probably more ability to retain? Or are they testing me on a bad Monday morning? Like, it's...
1: Right. But I mean, I can remember all these like little ridiculous things that I, I should have no memory of. However, if I don't take notes during a client call, I'll forget everything that we just talked about, <laughs> you know, two seconds after. But my husband can't remember my birthday and we've been together for almost nine years, eight years.
0: Oh, crazy.
1: However many years that is. He -hmm. got actually really frustrated. We had a date this weekend. And I I asked him to make the reservation because I always do it and I just wanted him to do it for a change. So we went to Melting Pot and he's signing up for their list and they ask the anniversary. (laughs) And I'm sitting on the bed right behind them and I've sort of got my eyebrow raised and he got fed up. Because he's like, I'm not having fun with this game anymore. (laughs) I'm not making this reservation. You do it. (laughs) Like, really? I was like, just, yeah. 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 But it's amazing, you know, how some, if that really is a factual number, I have to wonder what he remembers. Because Mm. birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, it's just missing there. And the information, though, like those, you know, when we're talking about facts,
0: like April 1st is April Fool's Day every single year, it is a fact that is never going to change. Um, remembering those things or remembering past experiences that allow for perception. And it's amazing, I think, what we can do with those thoughts that we can build stories around in our head over time like the fisherman who caught that two-inch fish all of a sudden became 20-inch fish right Right. Uh, the more they tell it and so of that the information that we're storing how much of it is actually or ever was accurate Hmm. like there's that great movie called vantage point with forrest whitaker And it tells the story of an explosion from different perspectives. And every story is so completely different based on where they were standing.
1: I have not seen that. That makes Mm. me, I'm so fascinated right now. I'm going to go watch it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it is so interesting.
1: Wow. Allison, what are you most excited about right now for the next 90 days?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, I am launching my course uh, about my part to help people move away from victim space to actual empowerment and freedom and recognizing their own worth. So that's going to be launching in the next little while. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Oh, I love that. And I I never realized actually until I started the podcast how just about, well, I, I can't even say just about everybody has been a victim at some point, and it's it's a decision to move past it?
0: Most people I talk to are a victim in more places than they're not. So every time we say, it's not my fault, we're a victim. Every time we say, if only they would listen to me. Every time we say, my kids hate me. Every time we say, my partner doesn't appreciate me. Every time we say, my coworker got the promotion that I deserved. Like that is all victim space. Is it self-inflicted victimhood then? Uh, I think I think so. I think our society is sort of set up where victims are easier to control, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because of, we can just press a little, uh, put a little uh, social pressure on them and get them to bend the way we need them to. But I think as a society, we'd be far more functioning and healthy if we could move away from that. But our system is set up for it, unfortunately. You know, we, we forget that we are inherently worthy and I say this all the time like this little tiny sperm found this little tiny egg somehow in the million of sperms that are coming through that canal (laughs) and it made you it could just as easily have made somebody else but it didn't it made you which makes you a freaking miracle and if you're a miracle then you have inherent worth and we no longer have to be getting it from other people Yet our parents then say, why can't you be more like your siblings? Why can't you be quiet? Eat the food. I know you don't like it. I don't care. Eat that. Why can't you do this? Why can't you try harder? Blah, blah, blah. Um, then we go to school and our teachers say to us, oh, sit still. Why can't you write? Mess- or why can't you write ne- neither? You're so messy. Why can't you do this? Um, why can't you be a girl? Was my, my son got from some of his teachers. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Because classrooms full of girls are easier to control than classrooms full of boys. And then we start dating, and we have our partners say to us, "Oh, why can't you be more like my ex?" or "I need this from you, so you need to change?" Uh, and then our kids tell us we're not cool enough. and And on and on it goes, and we forget, we lose we, we become disconnected from our own inherent worth that we were born with. And when we can remember that, then we can actually get to a place where, we get to stand strong in who we are and feel confident about the choices that we're making, independent of other people's reactions.
1: Wow! One of the biggest books that I actually read this year, and I haven't read as many as I wanted to, but I'm okay with that. Is The Power <laughs> of I Am by Joel Osteen, mm. and and one of the things that he writes about in the book is that we, you know, when we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, like I I used to judge my nose. There was a doctor who made a comment about my nose, and he said he could fix it. And I didn't realize that there was anything, quote, wrong with my nose up until that point. Oh, God! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That doctor didn't end up, quote, fixing anything on me. That was the <laughs> end of that appointment. But, you know, when we're judging ourselves based up on anything, that we're insulting our creator, whoever that might be in your belief mm-hmm. system. And I was like, wow, yeah. I love how you just brought that up about you know, the sperm that meets the egg, and we are a miracle, because I think <laughs> it's too easy to forget that when the shit's hitting the fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah,
1: Allison, I have loved every single bit of this conversation. And I want to have a part two at some point, because wow, wow, I've loved it. <laughs> and I Thank can't, you. Well, I think you're coming on my show, right? I hope I am. I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know how I might I have to was- borrow from our show, uh, from this show, and we might have to have a discussion about narcissism, if that's oh, okay. Oh, yeah,
0: we could totally do that. But
1: yeah, I thought you were... I thought I'll have to look kind on of- my calendar. My calendar's been a little okay. bit crazy. But listeners, I will definitely put a link in the show notes to my episode on, on Allison's podcast, because I want you to head on over there and share and listen and, and all that great stuff. But oh, before I forget, I would love to hear what Ahas you have gotten off of our conversation today so head on over to the forward slash pp537 where you will find the show notes eventually a transcription and all of Allison's social media and where you can find her which i'd love to, for you to share right now Allison. where can we find you online The best place, the
0: easiest place is just my website, dominothinking.com. And I answer all of my emails. You can use my contact form or just email me, Allison, with one L-A-L-I-S-O-N, at dominothinking.com. I am always up for a good conversation.
1: I accidentally muted myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know if I should ask where you went. Yeah, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The dog started walking across the room, so I made it myself because I didn't know she was going to bark. But Alison, I would love to know, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners?
0: Uh, I, you all! Know, I always love the Dr. Seuss quotes, be who you are and say how you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Just stay true to who you are and, and embrace it and be proud of it and never stop growing.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast,